Tsukiko Sagi isn't having a great day. Deadlines are getting near, inspiration isn't hitting, and the walls are closing in. That is until a mysterious rollerblading boy hits her with a bat. Or so she claims, because not all of the details are adding up. The mystery grows more and more as more people start to get assaulted by this little slugger, all at their mental breaking points. Is this just some teen terrorizing the city? A spirit set loose on this town? Or did Tsukiko's imagination somehow run wilder than she ever anticipated? Is Paranoia Agent the perfect series to introduce your friends to anime? Or should it be relegated to your own personal weeb watch list? I'm PJ. I'm Skylar. And this is Kawaii Disappointment. this question i've read it a million times and i just i'm so curious is it like what do you say anime is it what do you say anime like what's what's like the exact like inflection where where is the where is the italicized in this (laughs) title yeah real funny story about that when we originally started the podcast it was what do you say comma anime that's how it's supposed to be pronounced and when we so when we started that was the whole thing and we realized that for some reason we weren't getting like numbers and i was like why is this episode getting one listener and f- i was like okay let me remove the comma and see what happens to our titles i removed the comma and that way the word anime shows up in like search engines so now we're just what do you say anime it's just one sentence that way that's just how that's just how we're doing it for the last like two and a half years and that's just that's just one run-on sentence uh wow so- <laughs> who knew the comma was uh was gonna be the potential downfall of your podcast i was gonna say the deal breaker for people they're like mm. We have like a running meme in our Discord for it. <laughs> oh god, I absolutely love that. That I've always wondered it. I'm, I'm glad that there was an the story behind it. Uh, but as much as uh, I want to keep talking about that, let's talk about this podcast. Hello and welcome back to Kawaii Disappointment, the show where two lifelong weebs, PJ and Skylar, usually guide their non-weeb friends through a new anime every week. But this week, we are joined by a sinister presence. Visitors from podcasts beyond to determine if this anime is a kawaii success or a kawaii disappointment. This week, we are watching Paranoia Agent as we continue through Horror Month 3, The Invited Guests. This week's invited guests is one you may know as the fearless leader of the What Do You Say Anime podcast pete (laughs) thank you that was the best introduction i think i've ever had thank you so much for having me today (laughs) everyone keeps saying that (laughs) you know most people never get introduced by a ghost host so like it's always a it's always a fun treat (laughs) i i absolutely loved it thank you well we're super excited to have you here big fans of your podcast obviously definitely and we're just excited to get to talk to you obviously we uh i know that you're a big satoshi Kone fan yes matt and yet somehow paranoia agent has slipped slipped past you all this time yeah we actually have like a segment that we run every other week where we kind of nominate and vote on shows that we haven't seen and i've nominated paranoia agent i think like a half a dozen times and it just never seems to win because this seems like the perfect show to discuss with people that there are the depths of Satoshi Kon is so deep in his stories that I just need to, I need to rant. I need to rant for an hour and I, <laughs> and watching it by myself just doesn't seem like it gives it justice. So when you sent me over a list of a bunch of shows that you were interested in discussing, I saw a paranoia agent and I don't even think I blinked. I was like, that's the one. 
<laughs> yeah, I think you were the one of the most immediate answers. A lot of people we like shaved down the list, but yours was like paranoia agent. That's there we go. That's it. But yep. speaking of paranoia agent, uh, whether it is like the actual synopsis that you're that you know the the telephone game of what you think it is, or just a fully based prediction, what do you th- what do you think or no paranoia agent is going to be about? It's knowing Satoshi Kone, it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be a dark demented thriller or it's gonna be a wholesome and uplifting story and with the name like paranoia agent i'm leaning the first option i'm expecting something a little more darker a little bit more sinister and yeah that's kind of just what i'm thinking about going into it uh yeah i mean and then once you saw this poster i'm sure you felt like you went in the right direction yeah seeing the poster it's it looks like a kid with a that rolls around and hits people with a bat. You can see like on the poster that the bat is dented, and I'm assuming that's for hitting people. Since I think the main concept of this is the agent, the paranoid agent of these people. You can kind of see in like the background of the the poster where there's a bunch of people standing out in the back. You don't see their faces, but that's kind of like the vibe that I'm getting with it. So you think he is like the aforementioned paranoia agent? Yeah, <laughs> of, of some sort. What what that entails, I guess we will find out. Right, because like I get that, because like it's almost like instead of like an agent of chaos, right, or something, it's an agent of paranoia. Like they are fueling that in people. Yeah, I, I think the concept of a physical embodiment of like this paranoia is a really cool concept. At least that's why I'm hoping that's what it goes for. Right. And honestly, that seems like something Stashy Code would 100% go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean great uh an agent of paranoia is a very interesting and hopefully accurate way of reading the paranoia agent uh storyline and why don't we figure that out as we take a quick break to watch episodes one and two of paranoia agent so we're gonna do that so we'll be right back and stay tuned All right, we're back, and we had Pete watch episodes one and two of Paranoia Agent. Tell me, what did you think? I thought the first two episodes were great. Uh, it was a really good setup. It set the tone for the danger at hand, I think, was open for anyone. It was in, I thought it was really interesting, the contrast in victims, where we had a working adult along with a child, essentially, a, an elementary school student. Right. And it, it kind of opens up that, that threat that I think anybody could be involved regardless of who they are as a person so i'm a big fan of when shows set up a threat like that and i thought it was handled beautifully yeah i'm a big fan of these as an opening two episodes um that that trademark satoshi Kone style is in full force and you know what let's talk about that real quick let's get through some quick housekeeping before we go paranoia agent is an anime by satoshi Kone, done by studio madhouse for wow wow it ran february through may of 2004 uh for 13 episodes there is also a novel adaptation done by satoshi Kone and yuichi umezu that was released under the imprint horobunko in may 2004 after the series ended there was going to be a live action film done by takashi shimizu in 2009 who uh listeners might know as the uh, the writer and director essentially the creator of the juan series the the original grudge series and for skylar as the director of the third tomi live action movie tomi rebirth uh-huh. but yeah that's kind of it in terms of like supplemental information for paranoia agents so let's quickly recap episode 
episodes one and two, uh, just to get us all up to speed. Sukiko Sagi, a shy character designer who is having trouble creating her next character, feels pressured and overwhelmed at work. She has already created a very successful character, a pink dog called Marumi, and her boss expects the next character to be even better. On her way home, she is startled by a homeless woman rummaging through rubbish. At the height of her despair, she is suddenly attacked by someone carrying a golden baseball bat. When a pair of detectives interrogate her, she describes the suspect as an elementary school-aged boy wearing golden inline skates and a red hat. The younger of the detectives, Maniwa, sympathizes with Sukiko, but the older, Ikari, suspects her of lying. The media preys on the story, and a sleazy reporter named Akio Kawazu tells Sukiko in an attempt to get further details. He is then attacked himself. In episode 2, Yuichi... Ichi Taida, a formerly popular 6th grade schoolboy, starts being bullied at school for his red hat and golden skates, which strongly resemble those of Little Slugger. The only person he can confide in is his personal tutor, Harumi Chono. Ichi comes to believe that Shogo Ushiyama, a fatter, less sporty pupil who is running against him for student council president, is the one masterminding the bullying. He accuses Shogo aggressively, but someone takes a picture of their confrontation and texts it to the whole class. Shogo defends him, much to Ichi's embarrassment. Meanwhile, the detectives continue to question Tsukiko, who has now witnessed a two attacks. They also question Yuichi. Ichi's birthday comes, but nobody comes to his party except his mother and tutor. Shogo attempts to comfort Yuichi, who just gets angrier, hoping Shogo will be the next victim. Almost immediately, Shogo is attacked for real. Eventually, Yuichi goes insane with egopathic delusions of reclaiming his fame before being attacked by Little Slugger himself, and that's episodes one and two of Paranoia Agent. Hell yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes on in these two episodes. As a big fan of Satoshi Kon's work, like, would you have been able to tell us with Satoshi Kon without even knowing it? I think so. I, I think how it sets up not only the threat, but how it perceives the kind of like the fear of the Shonen Bat character. I was doing a little bit of analysis after watching a little bit of it and trying to see whether people thought that this was a physical embodiment of an actual person or if it was more like a psychological thing. And I think that's really Satoshi Kon-esque where he, he makes you question what you're watching because it, what you see on the screen is i think pretty it's like it's there are there is visual storytelling like areas in this story but i had a really hard time hard time trying to understand whether what i was watching was in like somebody's head or someone was actually getting hit by a bat and that's just satoshi Kon written all over it yeah and it never gets easier to tell like no. <laughs> you know as satoshi Kon likes to do like as the as the episodes progress it only gets more and more confusing and situations get more and more out there but yeah it's very hard to tell what's happening uh in terms of like is this real or not i think that's just the beauty of it when pj and i started watching it halfway into the first episode i was like oh this is giving me um like perfect blue vibes and then the whole time i was like he he's a manifestation of stress right he's not real like who's hitting them but like stress there has to be a connection yeah. so it was a good time yeah i basically kind of thought and I, I i don't know the feeling i definitely had at the beginning was like these people are just creating a tulpa yes 100 yep. percent. do you know what a tulpa is uh, i have a rough understanding of what i think it is yeah okay. yeah for for all of our listeners who are not uh, as a cult oriented or don't listen to a million ghost podcasts like skylar does uh tulpas are basically like people uh accidentally or not accidentally if you're a topomancer um willing something into existence mm -hmm. people honestly people actively usually believe like that if enough people believe in something and it starts to give it the ability to manifest as reality flying spaghetti monster yeah flying uh, i mean and you could argue most creepypasta could constitute a tulpa-esque creation if it like if someone were to be like you know actually attacked by something 
there's nothing saying that, hey, maybe we created this thing out of nothingness. Whether you believe in Topas or not, that's not important. I think at this point in the story, I 100% believe that Little Slugger is like a Tulpa that these people are just creating. Because of all like the mass hysteria and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's so much to talk about in these two episodes alone. Uh, but is there is there anything in particular that you wanted to just jump off of? For me, it's what's, what's around the other corner. Like when I turn the corner, is Shonen Bat going to be there? And that what that did made me just have my eyes on the tv at all times i never like looked at my phone or anything like that i was just so entranced by what was about to come next in these stories especially the first two just how it set the tone was just immaculate i mean like just listening for the sound of rollerblades honestly it was like enough to just strike that like stress level (laughs) did you ever did any of you guys ever do like inline skating yeah i have no balance yeah i I, um so i am in minnesota and then in the winter we can't go outside so they open up like back in the old day like the metrodome that we had this indoor dome and you could go inline skating around it in circles and i used to do that all the time as a kid so that was like my winter exercise essentially It's such a like a very specific sound. Like it sounds so differently from roller skates and uh, skateboards. Like, ugh. The, like the sound of the gravel while you're roller skating is it has a very specific sound. One time I took a corner way too fast when I was like a child, and I was wearing um, a tube top. And I fucking fell because I hit like a crack that I didn't see. And I fucking just slid across the the pavement stomach first, like a good three feet. Oh, I have my fair share of scars on my elbow as well. (laughs) That's the that's the benefit I get for not having any sense of balance. I never (laughs) had that happen to me. I stick firmly to the ground with my own two feet. Thank you very (laughs) much. Smart play. I went to like Razor Scooters after that. (laughs) That'd be, I think this anime would be a lot funnier if he was on a a Razor Scooter instead of inline skates. And instead of um, a baseball bat. It's a a scooter to the shins. I was going to say, yeah, he just does like a a spin when he runs by them and hits them in the shins. Oh my God. I'm getting some Vietnam flashbacks right now from all the times I got smacked in the shin from my Razor Scooter. Oh. Seriously, um, I have because I like took my razor scooter fucking everywhere. I had the green one, which is the best one. BT Dubs, blue gang over here. And now I have like an e scooter because I can't drive. And uh, the amount of times I still hit my ankle with this e scooter oh. is so many times. Also, <laughs> I did get into an accident with my scooter a few months ago, and I. Sc- Scraped all the skin off my shin. It was oh. a good time. It's not. Someone saw me because I was like in a residential and it was just like a broken piece of sidewalk. And there was like an old lady across the street who was like, are you okay? I was like, please don't look at me. Don't perceive me. <laughs> just pretend you didn't see anything. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And that's the level of high stress situation where you do get a little slugger about to like take you out. Because (laughs) he is always only attacking people at these intensity points, right? Like, Sukiko is, like, stressed beyond belief. Like, she feels all this pressure. Her coworkers clearly hate her. Yeah, fucking bitches. Which, again, there's this thing with the Shoshi concept where you never know if you're just seeing a stylized version of things or if this is happening. Because when the, like, slimy detective... Or a slimy invest like reporter, reporter is like perfectly recreating all of her coworkers' voices. That was so fun. I love that. 
But I was like, is this happening? Is he just a really good mimic? Is this just stylized? I don't know. But regardless, super stressed, created Hello Kitty and does not know how to create any other characters, basically. Like Sanrio, if they just stopped at one. <laughs> Sorry, Chaco Cat. <laughs> exactly. There's they're, They wanted to make Chaco Cat. They wanted her to make My Melody and she just cannot Kurobi. think of it. And then she gets attacked. And then similarly, obviously, you have like... Ichi's like ego death going on in the side story, in like the main story of episode two. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, okay, first of all, like you guys have both had that moment where you're like, I don't want to do this particular thing. It would be so much easier if I had to like go to the hospital because someone hit me in their car. Because you're just like, great, I could use like a vacation or a break. Nothing like fatal, but like nice little coma would be nice. Yeah, I've definitely had that. I think I'm getting college flashback finals where I'm just like, if I can get like six more hours of studying, then I can definitely get a C on this test. But (laughs) I I don't know if it's worth getting hit in the head over a bat for, though. Probably not. Head injuries (laughs) suck. And that's why I've epilepsy so a combination of things (laughs) and luckily neither of these people get epilepsy but they do get seemingly brain damage i don't know sukiko seems real real off i think she was off before the battle but it seems like aggressively different right i I 100% agree like and she's no longer stressed like there is this thing where you know there there's almost like a sense of relief after she's attacked by little slugger which is i think why people are like why are you so relaxed Right. So with head injuries, so many things could happen. Like, let's say you get hit and it hits you like cerebral cortex, right? That's the shit that's in charge of your personality, of like all that stuff. So uh, decision making, emotions, your intelligence, etc. The way you perceive things. So like, if you get hit a little too hard, then like, it's perfectly normalized that she's, you know, got her little mascot walking or around with her. just a... Uh, topa. Per- he's, yeah, or he's just a spiritual topa that attacks people uh, during their mental breakdowns and cures them of it. He's like, stop being mean to my friend! And you're my friend, so I'm gonna <laughs> hit you. Because <laughs> she needed a break. Yeah, honestly. And then, uh, you know, and then obviously Ichi... I mean, so, like, to talk about Ichi in general, because he's such an interesting character, because he's basically, like, fucking Ferris Bueller of this town. Oh, God. Anytime he smiled and the little, like, shine would happen, it was so cute. (laughs) Yeah. And he's the most popular kid, the best grades, the best in sports. Everyone loves him. All the girls want to be with him and all the guys want to be him. And then literally, like, the next day, everyone thinks he is the scum of the earth. Children are cruel and they turn on you for no reason at, you know, just anything drop a hat fuck you you're the enemy now did you have any experiences like that in high school or like just your school life where you're like everything's great and you're like oh shit everything is horrible now in like five seconds oh man i i'm truly blessed to have a pretty normal childhood um nothing to the extent of ichi but i'm sure i had my fair share of run-ins where i'm best friends with somebody one day and then the next day they're i don't know if they're public enemy number one but i definitely have had something similar to that pj what about you oh i'll share like a, a mini trauma story which is in seventh grade no it's eighth grade so it's last year of middle school you know we're about to go into high school and i was i had kind of so like i'm i'm just like 
this like autistic nerd who like really likes anime and video games and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I was never destined to be popular, but I had somehow made my way into like the popular kids group. And I think it's just because I made friends with people that ended up in it. And and you're funny. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but I mean, not funny enough because at the end of eighth grade, they were like basically like, hey, next year we're going to high school. We held a vote. You're not in the friend group anymore. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I was like it was like insane. Like I was like what? What are you saying? <laughs> and they're like we held a vote and like you know it was basically like you know let's say there's 10 people in the group it was like it was like you know 6 to 4 to remove you from the group majority rules by. And I was like oh all right. <laughs> so like yeah, I guess I've had easy like experiences. <laughs> that that's awful. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Wait for me to top it. <laughs> we all have our little traumatic experiences. Skylar, do you have any? I do. Um so basically in second grade, I think I may have pissed someone off because uh I like first of all, I have always had like tummy issues, you know, cuz I'm like a gorgeous gorgeous girl and gorgeous gorgeous girls have tummy issues. So I like use the restroom like pretty frequently and I don't know which classmate I pissed off but like when I like was in class someone raised their hand they're like oh Miss Hines um I just think you should know that like when Skylar goes to the bathroom she actually is going to like second recess which is like the one with like the kindergartners because it was all like tiered differently Mm -hmm. and so like she's not going to the bathroom at all so she's just like you know like going out and like exploring or whatever and Miss Hines was like is this true and then like two other people were like yeah I've definitely seen her do this before and I was like no like I've never done this and it was like second grade and then like so many other people just started chiming in they're just like oh yeah and like she like does this and blah 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 and like she steals book from the library and like everyone around me is just like talking shit to the teacher and I was like what are you talking about like <laughs> no it's not and then i just didn't have friends in that class anymore and uh, my teacher fucking was like okay so i think skylar might have to go to the school counselor and it was just like none of this happened and i think that's a great parallel to paranoia i was agent. gonna say this is 100 your little slugger story like you had your ichi moment for real for real <laughs> i was so so upset like i just don't know what was happening konnichiwa my fellow weebs We just want to say another huge thank you to Pete for coming on the podcast. What do you say anime is always doing amazing and fun things over on their podcast feed and their YouTube channel, so definitely make sure to check them out. Links, as always, are in the show notes. If you're craving more Kawhi Disappointment, you can get it by checking out our Patreon. Hours and hours of bonus content are available immediately for just $3 a month, and more is always on the way along with exclusive polls, Q&As, and goodies at our higher tiers. Find us on Patreon by searching for Kawhi Disappointment or by going to patreon.com slash kawaiidesupod. A special shout out to our wonderful patrons, starting off with our Eternal Desu patrons, our $8 tier, the amazing Skullbush and incomparable Alex J. They're not alone as we also have our wonderful Super Desu patrons, our $5 tier, Nene Killua, Magical Girl Charlotte, Rebel in an Sky, and Jellums. And our Kawaii Desu patrons, our $3 tier, Eliza L and Alvin AG. You're all pretty Kawaii Desu in my book. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KawaiiDesuPod, or go to KawaiiDesuPod.com for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. That's K-A-W-A-I-I-D-E-S-U-P-O-D.com. 
spread the word about us, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review on iTunes, rate us five stars on Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. It really does help. A huge thank you to TJ McCollum for reviewing us on iTunes. Don't forget, if there's an anime you'd like us to cover, recommend us an anime by using our recommendation form. You can find it as a pinned tweet on our Twitter, or by going to our Beacons page at beacons.ai slash kawaiidesupod, and clicking on the recommend an episode button. We will see you all again next week as we kick off a new month with a new theme. Stay tuned to our social medias for the announcement of what that will be. Now, back to the podcast. So back to talking about kind of the realness or non-realness of Little Slugger. So it almost felt like, and again, it, that's what makes this show so hard to read uh, purposefully, is like that Ichi summoned Little Slugger to, oh, at- to attack the, what's Ushiyama. his Ushiyama. I think so. But the whole time, like when he was saying that, I was like, no, you don't. No, you don't, because he's going to hit him, and they're going to see you right next to him. They're going to blame you. And yeah, I, I, what fucking I, happened? I, I think, yeah, the, the idea of Little or yeah, little Slugger, or uh, I guess I refer to him as Shonen Bad. I watched it in the sub. Little, I actually really like the name Little Slugger, and I think about it more and more. Uh, we Well, we rewatched it this time in sub, okay. but I had originally watched the show on Adult Swim years ago. Ah, so gotcha. that's where, like, the like in English, they call him Little Slugger. Gotcha. Yeah. With, with, with the idea of manifesting uh, Little Slugger as this escape mechanism, whether he was real or a figment of our imagination, was really interesting because I think we see it later in the episodes where it might not be the case, but the first two episodes where Sukiko she was manifesting an escape route and it hit her and then Yuichi was looking for escape out of essentially his competition for like student council and his now appears to be a rival uh using shonen bad little slugger as this escape tool I thought was just an incredible mechanism that to be honest I don't know if I've seen an anime really before yeah the storytelling in this show is obviously on par and the visual storytelling on top of it is so amazing like to that end with how Ichi's story ends is that stunningly disturbing like childhood coloring book like drawing world that he's in like with the little slugger situation like what did you think of that that final scene yeah it, it it's it's kind of like I feel like I don't know if it like showcases like his innocence still as like a child but also having these he had this like intention of hurting somebody and I thought that like that that contrast between the two was really interesting and really well done because is Ichi a bad kid? I don't think so, but like, I don't think he honestly assumed that little slugger was going to pull up and hit this dude with a bat i i think people think that um whatever they're angry or upset or frustrated the fact that it actually manifested kind of like put something in him and i think something where it still showcases his innocence was really well done in terms of visual storytelling like what you're saying about how you don't think uh he's a bad kid or anything yeah i just think he's like a kid i think that like is a perfectly acceptable um thing to think you know um he went for being number one and now he's the you know greatest enemy and he thinks that the only person um who could have done this to him is yushiyama because that's the only way like his mindset makes sense for a child yes yeah and some would say even like a teenager or adult like i would it's say a very, adult too yeah <laughs> it's a very like easy conclusion to get to um what i love though is like Ushiyama is like still 
fanboy number one for him and he's just so fucking kind and he's like he's the only person that sticks by him which is does make it harder to root for Ichi because Ichi is actively antagonistic to him but again you understand why but he thinks he's being like yeah yeah but it's ultimately this it is a very toxic mentality because Ichi is looking at him and he's like well he's like fat and like gross like how on how else could he have possibly gotten popular and friends which you know problematic but like regardless of even when Ichi is like hey like I like you're fucking disgusting and you're a monster afterwards he's still like people are being mean to him and I don't know why and but even at that moment he's just like look at him playing it up like trying to get me sympathy to like make it look like I'm not or he's not my enemy and I was just like damn but um jumping over to the right before he's hit um Ichi uh I was like is this a fever dream? Like, is he still in his bedroom? I wasn't fully sure if he was going to get hit by Little Slugger because I, like, straight up just thought he was still in his bed. Well, and that's the thing is we don't know that he isn't, right? True. We yeah. see him in his bed and then we see this fever dream. And you could argue that maybe he, like, leaves his room and this is his stylized view of the world during his mental breakdown. But there's nothing saying that he's not having a mental breakdown in his room. And if Little Slugger is fully just like this manifestation creature, that he isn't attacking him in his bedroom we literally don't know and again that is the beauty of this show right honestly i see little slugger as an angel of mercy because anytime he's hit anyone it's given them a sense of relief with the except of possibly ushiyama arguable (laughs) arguable which part no i well because it almost felt like the Ushiyama thing. Yeah, no, the Ushiyama is a wild card. And I mean, kind of to, to a similar extent. So is, um, so is, uh, uh, Kawazu. Kawazu and Ushiyama don't make sense as victims of Little Slugger, but they're so related to, uh, Sukiko and Ichi that it, it almost feels like Little Slugger is attacking them as initial relief and then attacking like attacking their stressors as initial relief and then attacking them let me disagree with you on that point uh with for uh kawazu because of um he's super stressed out over money right now because of uh he has to pay for the care of that old guy but he's not stressed in that moment that's that's the thing that ties sukiko and ichi together is they're literally on the precipice of a mental breakdown He's not. He's actively like, I found my story. This is my in. I'm good to go. I just need to get this girl. He's not stressed about this right now. But he feels like he has his meal ticket. Yes. But he's able to gain more access once he has the head injury because he's now a part of the story, basically making himself like a witness and he can get closer to... um, Sukiko. And so I think like, yes, he wasn't super stressed, but it still is a solution for him to get like what he needs faster. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. What do you think, Pete? That, that that's that's a very interesting point. I like because like physically, obviously, like Yushi Yushiyama is a victim, but I think also in a way, I think like Ichi also is with. I, I don't know if we'll see it in like later episodes or anything like that, but like a, the remorse of wishing this upon somebody is also like sort of like a curse and a burden that he was he's going to have to deal with if he's a decent person. That is, and I, I think I think either argument, either way that. You you guys are citing could be 
discuss and i think that's like the beauty of the style of show because there are so many layers to it where how i view something it may be something different than how you view it and i think it's just really interesting yeah i mean what all, all great art is up for interpretation always and this i this is one of the more interpretive animes i've seen you know it's up there with something like sunny boy for me like in terms of like just like what do you how, how do you dissect what you just watched? Right. That's I think that's a very fair comparison because I think I also felt that same way when watching something like Sunny Boy or even something like Perfect Blue as well that there are multiple ways to interpret something that based off either our personal experiences or maybe something that I missed that you saw or vice versa can interpret how we view a show like this. Right. I mean, yeah, we're always going to place ourselves into, you know, what we watch, too. Like, that's, um, we connect to media by, like, you know, associating ourselves with characters, right? You're like, oh, this is my favorite character because I could relate to them a lot. A hundred percent. I have a tattoo so, of my favorite character because of that. Who's your favorite character? Uh, Guts, and where's the placement? Uh, Guts from Berserk. It's, he's on my, uh, left bicep. Right. Okay. What a great, I would get Griffith, but. I, I, I have Guts. I have Casca right now and I'm getting, or, uh, I'm not getting actually Griffith, but something that resembles griffith mm, see my last name is griffith so it's just like oh that's perfect it's, it's the best yeah <laughs> but yeah right so i agree with the point that you're making Sarah, right that ultimately and again i mean i feel like it's just like the the record uh repeat of the episode but it's it bears repeating with the different topics we discuss um you know there's so much room for interpretation but to your point we're going to interpret it kind of based on our own experience we're going to look at it through the lens of how we view these characters how we view these people and and how we relate to them um because like you know watching this like i don't relate to ichi at all uh but i do relate to ishiyama and i do res- and i don't relate to um either of the detectives and i don't relate to um to kawazu but i do have a lot of i do relate to sukiko a lot right sukiko has this intense like burden of expectation for them at work because they like did really great work and now there's this expectation that they're gonna live up to and surpass that performance all the time and i think for a lot of uh workers that's that's a stressor that you're always held to a new higher standard and something that you could very much relate to and ichi has kind of the inverse uh, and it, but it's similar ultimately which is ichi was also held it has held himself to this standard and that standard for himself has fallen as opposed to the inverse with sukiko where other people held her to that standard and that standard for others has fallen Mm-hmm. Right, but there's—I mean, there's so much that you could continue to discuss and even break down in just these two episodes. But um, you know, there's so much to paranoia agents, and there's some other aspects I want to talk about. And most importantly, I would like to talk about the music of Paranoia Agent. <gasps> Oh my god, yes please. So, for Pete, this name might sound familiar, but the music of Paranoia Agent is done by Suzumu Hirasawa, who did all of the music for the 97 Berserk series. One of my favorite OSTs of all time. It's absolutely incredible. Yes, and he he himself was actually a major influence for Satoshi Kon. Satoshi Kon uh, credits a lot of Suzumu Hirasawa's, um, like, uh, in like experimental rock music from back in the day as a big influence for how he tells stories. So this was the first time they got to work together professionally. And it was a very big moment for Cohn to get to work with Hinasawa. And they got to continue to work together on things like Paprika, uh, on Paprika and uh, on Cohn's last project that never saw the light of day, Dream Machine. Uh, but regardless, uh, Hinasawa is a master at storytelling through uh, through music. And I think the the sound design of this show 
show and the score of the show just really is good at unsettling you and feeling very out of place, but also just very well done. It's incredible. Um, it is so important, right? A score in general, you can change the vibe of anything um, based off a scoring, a good scoring, right? This soundtrack just invokes so much stress and um, it just fucking hits the mark every single time. I think it's one of those factors that maybe a lot of people don't think about it when you watch a show where the music can really, like you said before, set the tone of it. But it's one of those factors for me is like what sets a show from say a nine to a 10 or something like that. What makes something a 10 out of 10? And it's something like watching this where I feel like the music and the sound design, I'm like, this is like a movie level quality. Like the budget was not cheap for Mm -hmm. the music and it showed. And it's something like that where I love these passion projects and what you said earlier about um, Susumu, I, I didn't know that. And that makes me love this even more. I love those little n- things that somebody tells me about it later. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. Like, I, now I could see inspiration for this scene or for this character or Satoshi Kon's vision for whatever. Like, it, it's little things like that that really separate the good from the great. And I think that this is a, a prime example of that exact, um, like, um, just the music in general for the show. Completely agreed. Yes. Uh, it really adds so much to kind of like that inherent story and even like the background story. And I think even more so because unlike most anime where you have your composer who helps put everything together, but then uh, kind of commissions outward for your OP and ED, Hidasawa himself also did both the OP and the ED for this. Uh, so let's talk about that OP and ED. So our OP is Dream Island Obsessional Park. By Susumu Hirasawa. What did you think of that OP? Yeah, funny story about this. So I have a kind of an older television where sometimes the sound where if you, even if it's set at 20, sometimes sounds like it's on an 80. And I, I turned this on and that OP is just blasting so loud. And I'm watching this right before bed where I'm like, all right, you have my attention. Like my, my TV decided to essentially be a boombox at 1130 at night. And... <laughs> I think it's it's incredible. It's an incredible opening. It I, I like gig chills thinking about it. That's how good this OP is. So supposedly what happened was because of um you know, the the subject matter of Paranoia Agent, it got like a much later time slot. So they did uh, this song to wake people up and get them like low key stressed <laughs> and like kind of shock them. It wow, it, I was about to say, <laughs> Pete is the perfect case study that that worked. Woo! <laughs> I, I love think that. at twenty percent, I probably still would have uh, 
little, little shock while I was laying down in bed getting getting ready for for slumber and just being like, oh my god, like what is going on? Uh, it has that the cadence of like the the opening is just so strong and so it's it's loud, but like without like being like a heavy metal band, it's loud mm-hmm. in terms of just the volume that it's speaking. It's got a very big energy to it. It's this very big presence. And it honestly ultimately sounds almost like very like positive energy, but it, it's unsettling in that same regard, obviously because you have the visuals, which are just people staring at the camera and like the characters staring at the camera laughing. and laughing. And these yeah. unsettling so positions and settings, like, you know, like in front of like a mushroom cloud or under the ocean. And it's it's so unsettling. And I, I, I watched this when it, rebroadcasts on Adult Swim in like 2012 or 2014 but I can't imagine like had I been like a little kid like Cartoon Network just came off the air and I'm like wow what's Adult Swim and this to come on in like 2004 would have <laughs> scared me shitless this would be in something else to watch I think at that time in my life I'm glad I'm watching it now. So I'll put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately the song is it's it is that intense energy. It's very good. I I think it's a an amazing op for this show. Yes, it's incredible. I thought like the first time I heard it, I was just gonna be like, oh, this is gonna be like interesting. It's fun. Like it's just it's not one for the books, right? And then like episode two, I'm like this is a fucking vibe i love this it's a good time yeah and on the complete inverse energy wise and everything wise let's talk about our outro which is white hill maromi's theme by susumu hirasawa What'd you think of that outro? Uh, still thought it was great. I don't think it hit me as hard as the OP did, but I think it did a really good job of just showcasing um, the where we have people laughing in the OP. This is more people seem more at like peace in the ED. And I think that kind of I don't know if it, that that was supposed to be like a contrast to like the OP, but I, I felt like it did a really good job at kind of showing when people escape reality or something like that in the show that they're at peace and sometimes when you're at peace it means you're sleeping so kind of kind of got that that vibe with it i was gonna say they laugh too hard and they're too tired now (laughs) (laughs) but it is it's very haunting in a weird way right because it's it's like this like soft circus kind of circusy like like you could see like a like a like a little monkey with a fez playing this on a music box or something (laughs) um and then you have like the weird like little like villager animal crossing noises in the background the entire time right um it's like not scary but it is like slightly unsettling but ultimately also very peaceful because the visuals are just all of these characters the same characters as the op yeah just sleeping in like open fields Mm -hmm. they're tired (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, a very different OP and ED, but ultimately both very much with the theme. Because again, we have the music ju- musical genius of Susan Wiki Nasawa to thank for every piece of music in this. But let's see who else could have potentially uh, added to the music of this as we move to our segment. What modern or contemporary artist do you think would have, would have done a good job with these anime intros and outros? All right, so Pete, for that intro, who did you end up going with? So... If it, if it's modern, I, I was trying to think of somebody who had um, some range that I've listened to in the past, and I went with um, I'm probably gonna slaughter his name, uh, Vic Blanca. He does the OPs for like Black oh, yeah. Clover. Uh, he did an ED for Fruits Basket, and I just thoroughly enjoyed like his range on what he can do. And I feel like he could do something modern with that style of show. He, I feel like his his voice has the range that could work with this. I totally see. I see. Yeah, I was gonna say I totally see where you're going with it because he has he does a lot of big orchestration in the back, and this song has a lot a, a lot of moving pieces to it. Yes. Right. Um. It definitely it's a good voice approximation. I think he could do like a really good modern version. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Skyler, who'd you end up going with? Okay. <laughs> Listen. So like when I first was thinking about this song, I was very like it really reminded me of like South uh South. African music, like really mm. Soweto. And so I was going through that, but nothing was giving me like the tall, like, you know, the big like vibes that I needed. And I kept going, like, just that beginning part reminds me of a uh, beginning part of a song that I know. And I eventually stumbled upon it. And it's literally like the opposite of everything I said because it's like really chill. And I'm so sorry, but I went with um, Summer of Love by the Baja Men. I think it's pretty good. I was like, what does this remind me of? And it's literally just like that beginning part. Yeah, I totally <laughs> see, yeah, I totally see where we're going with it. I see the vibe. I think it matches like fairly well. I also was like digging into that South African. I also looked uh through like some Afro-Latino stuff, but I just could not find anything that I felt um captured it but then i was like you know what this also sounds like is when like white musicians make like a tribute song for like some something in africa uh, and i was like what other band would be perfect for that type of music than you too uh so i ended up going oh with uh, where the streets have no name by you too I could definitely see you two uh, inserting themselves in a remake and doing a great job, honestly. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad it I'm glad it translates. <laughs> uh, all right, then for our outro, who'd you go with for the outro, Pete? Okay, okay. Um, I went with uh, Simone's theme by Danny Elfman. Oh, uh, Pee Wee's, right? Big yes. Adventure. Yes. I like it. It sounds like a Banjo-Kazooie song, almost. 
<laughs> I don't know if anyone played Banjo Kazooie here. It's definitely a little darker, but it matches the vibe. It's great. It's a great choice. I was either thinking that or my fourth grade um, recorder class where we have a bunch of kids playing the recorder. Yeah. Similarly, I have uh, my choice and then my... So, like, I think the ultimate real answer is K.K. Slider. (laughs) Oh, yes. That would be great. Fantastic. Uh, But I ended up going with Evening Bell by Boost Gumps. like it it definitely captures the vibe (laughs) i mean because there's only so much you could do right it's it's like it's just like this like haunting music like instrumental yeah uh skylar what direction you'd go with it i went with a song called sweet dreams by simon boswell Yeah, I think this is a great choice. Ultimately, I think we all just picked the same song in different fonts. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense because uh, there's so so little you could do with this. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of our music segment. Good job, us. Uh, and I think now it is time for us to take a quick break, watch uh, whatever context you can give for this anime, uh, and we're going to watch some additional clips, some additional context, and we'll be right back. So stay tuned, everyone. All right, we're back, and we had Pete watch some additional clips, some additional context, some additional Shonen Bad appearances, some additional uh, Satoshi Kon-ass moments, some additional even just weird, insane, interesting, funny, whatever you want to say about the show. It's a multitude of things, and there's a lot of those multitudes. But ultimately, regardless of what we feel about it, what you might feel about it, we're here to find out what Pete feels about it. As we ask you the question, Pete, after everything you've seen, would you continue watching paranoia agent i would absolutely keep watching paranoia agent it's funny that you said laugh because i wasn't expecting to laugh in this show and i did and i (laughs) it's funny i I don't know if it's just the 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 despair and the darkness that we see in this show whenever even a glimpse of something is funny i think it just elevates it and yeah i laughed a few times but this show was phenomenal i would absolutely continue watching it i completely agree you absolutely love to see it 100 yeah yeah a kawaii success in the book uh and then our secondary question that we always ask attached to that is uh in your opinion pete if someone was a horror fan and looking to watch their first ever anime would you recommend this as a starter anime for them Ooh, starter i would say no i would definitely if you want to get into satoshi Kon, i would definitely watch perfect blue first and oh, then watch paranoia uh, agent uh, <laughs> regard um, i see what i see what your concern is skylar but i also agree that with paranoia agent as much as it is a very uh great watch it is it is amazingly done it is i think too too weird maybe too weird too freaky too different too out there for someone's first anime yeah i'm trying to think of what a good 
first horror anime would be because there's something like i don't know if you want to go like classic route and watch something like elfin lead mm. or if you want to watch something more modern uh with like devil man crybaby and maybe somewhere in between those two but i don't think paranoia agent is the starter like psychological horror anime i would recommend as a like a first timer yeah skylar what about for you um okay so if I, like, know the person or whatever, I think it's a pretty fun, like, first watch for, especially if they like horror, if they like horror, if they like, you know, kind of, like, So, like, you don't shit. know that they don't know what, you don't know what kind of horror they like. You just know they like scary movies and they ask if they should start with this. I think if we're gonna, if you always go with, like, well, if I know them, then the answer can always be yes. Okay. Honestly, if you say you like scary movies or and stuff, I would um, suggest this because I feel like uh, the line a lot of people draw is um, where there's like sexual abuse and a lot of horror unfortunately has stuff like that because it's a scary concept Uh, which is why I wouldn't go with like perfect blue without like severe trigger warnings you know and I think this this does like a lot of good you know like it, it doesn't have to rely on those tropes specifically and it really I feel like everyone could relate to the things that are happening in this and I think it'd be a good first watch yeah I you know ultimately it's a mixed bag you take with it what you will but overall you know viewer discretion is advised <laughs> uh, play to your audience uh, but yeah Kawhi's success in the book a viewer, dis- a viewer discretion is advised rec- uh, recommended warning here for paranoia agent seems like there's only one thing left to do here yes because it's time for is there an AV for that All right, Pete, uh, why don't you give me your sign artist for uh, Paranoia Agent? Yeah, um, kind of a little bit of a meme, but at the same time, I think it would work out perfectly. It is the Rockwell song, um, I Always Feel Like Somebody's Watching Me. Oh, that'd be so fun. I, I think you could... I think you could um, mix some of the scenes with like Shonen Bat like popping out and be like, I always feel like somebody's watching, watching me. me. And then it's and it's, it's always Shonen Bat watching me. <laughs> I mean, especially like because the bathroom scenes. Yeah. Damn. That was straight up like me studying with ADHD BT dubs. So <laughs> it was like, um, this is your brain on crack. And then they like hit the egg with the frying pan. That's me. With the ADHD. <laughs> All right. Unfortunately, there is no AMV. A literal song. I honestly agree. I felt like this was a surefire match. I was like, I don't even feel like I need to search this. Apparently, I do. Apparently, AMV community uh, is not up uh, up on it. Rats. Uh, but as we as we tend to do whenever uh, we do uh, end up not finding our selection, I'll list off the top three. I'll list off the top three AMVs that do exist, so we can kind of know what the vibe maybe uh could have been i didn't want to do like the default lincoln park numb but i also feel like that <laughs> would have worked just fine i would but do I crawling feel, by lincoln park yeah i feel like it's just like link insert lincoln park song and it probably exists so our number three amv is mad world by tears for fears hell yeah 
<laughs> our number two AMV is kind of a mixed bag because, and it is by um, you know uh, number one anime podcaster Gigguk. Uh, it is AMV uh, Reflections of Despair, which is a mix uh, mix AMV of Evangelion, uh, Ra- Razifan, and Paranoia Agent to Can't Pretend by Tom O'Dell. And our number one AMV is to Mad Hatter by Melanie Martinez. Damn, Melanie Martinez just keeps on like winning for a month. And you know you you mentioned those uh those potentially surefire AVs and maybe maybe some of them exist and potentially can help you out here because Peter it's time for the super secret not so secret bonus point oh do you think the anime paranoia agent might have an AMV to Evanescence bring me to life. I mean that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that also seems perfect. Yeah. All right. As perfect as it sounds, surprisingly, there is only one. But that is still one. There is one singular AMV, and that means <laughs> that you get our secret bonus point, which nudges you up to one point in the book. Let's go. Woo! You absolutely love to see it. A kawaii success in the book. One point in the book. And our recommendation of viewer discretion is advised. Uh, but with all of that, that is uh, our journey through Paranoia Agent. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun to have you. Yeah. Is there anything you want to you wanna plug at the end here? Uh, sure. If you want to get more anime podcast content, feel free to check out uh, What Do You Say Anime? We're available anywhere podcasts are found. And if you want to see what I look like and the rest of my cast looks like we also have uh visual content on our youtube just search our name and you'll find us at what do you say anime nice completely recommend definitely check them out uh but yeah i'll, I'll ultimately uh i'm glad you had a good time with this anime I'm, ho- I'm glad you had a good time here on the podcast but more importantly i hope our listeners had a good time i hope they had a fun time i hope they had a sometimes fat kids can be popular without it being sabotage time <laughs> A psychotic break vacation time. A, um, even if you hate your friends, don't hit them in the head with a bat time. And, (laughs) completely agreed. And ultimately, until next time, we hope your wait isn't a kawaii disappointment. I've been PJ. I've been Skylar. I've been Peter. And uh, definitely, definitely please check out What Do You Say Anime. Amazing, amazing stuff over on their YouTube. Check out their My Anime List review game. One of my favorites. Uh, Just check out their stuff in general. But all of that said, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Pete, for being here. I'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.